Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, you're very welcome along to this week's edition of The Group Chat. I am Virgin Media News correspondent Richard Chambers. And like government ministers, we are scattered to the four winds this week. (laughs) Zara King has only somehow just made it back from LA and the Oscars. Zara, how are you doing? Hello, I'm exhausted. How are you? We're going to talk a little bit about why you're exhausted, (laughs) because it is a hell of a story. Uh, But living his best life uh, on the grounds of Howard University uh, in Washington, D.C. Gavin Riley, political correspondent, how is all? Call me Pitbull because I am Mr. Worldwide. Uh, I'm very well. How's everyone? <laughs> Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305, when he steps up in the room. Uh, everything is good. Zara, kick us off. What's the story with your travel? I mean, I just feel like everything that could have gone wrong just completely went wrong on the journey back from LA. Um, it took us 48 hours to get home. I only got home in the last hour. Um, we left LA like I don't we left the hotel at like midday on Tuesday and what is it now like it's Thursday afternoon Thursday afternoon (laughs) I don't even understand how it happened like so basically it started with a three-hour delay from our on our flight and um that meant we missed our connecting flight back to Dublin and then there was a rearrangement of another flight but then the second flight that they arranged was an Aer Lingus flight going from Terminal 2 at Heathrow and we landed into Terminal 5 so Mark and I basically got into Terminal 5 and all the luggage was like not after coming through off our original flight for like an hour and a half. And a long story short, I'm like pedaling across to Terminal 2 with the camera, which weighs 10 to 20 kgs, by the way. <laughs> across to Terminal. It's like very heavy, actually, incidentally. Fair play to Mark, who's been carrying that all week. Um, ran across to Terminal 2, like had a bit of a cry at the Aer Lingus desk when she told me the flight was closed last night. To then discover that British Airways had put on another flight back to Dublin at quarter past nine to which I'd have to get back to Terminal 5 to get that. So then trekked back over to Terminal 5 to find out that that flight had closed as well. So basically, Mark and I missed three connecting flights to Dublin yesterday, not because of our own fault. Now, to be fair, normally I would suspect it would be my own fault, but actually just because of the delay, it just totally screwed us up. So we ended up in an airport hotel in Heathrow last night and we got a flight back this morning. It's just been a nightmare. But even down to like small things, like when I got into the hotel last night, you know, you just can't wait to have a shower because you're just like, I'm so gross from traveling (laughs) for all of this time and then I get out of the shower and the hair dryer in the room wasn't working <laughs> it's just For like God. honestly you know when you're just like really really like everything has just been a bit of a and then today I've just discovered that I arrived into the office here to realise that we're all recording remotely so I'm delighted that I came in for this <laughs> I, I, so I, I am in- incredibly sorry that that happened that was one of those things where you see it happen in the WhatsApp yeah. group and you're like we are yeah. powerless to stop this but it is I saw that because I is. saw the link coming through and I presumed it was for Gavin because he's in Washington and then I was like no that's oh. Actually, for all of us. But anyway, so we're here. Anyway, look, it was a great week. But um, yeah, I mean, look, we're going to crash. I was just saying, though, I think I might have actually managed to um, to cheat the the jet lag, or maybe I'm maybe I'm being too cocky. Now, I think you, but... I think you're not in a position to say whether or not okay. you've beaten jet okay. lag having just arrived. <laughs> I, I hope you have. I think that would be only appropriate at this point yeah. if you do 
get some get some get some you know freedom from jet lag but yeah. I, I think you're only going to figure that out over the next couple of days we'll come back I want to ask you a couple of things about the Oscars before um, before too long but but Gavin since you're our man abroad this week uh, and it is that time of the year again uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, the shamrock ceremony all that sort of good stuff uh, it is worth mentioning that you know the last couple of Irish Taoiseg to go over to Washington there's been a touch of drama with both of those has there been anything happening yet so far yeah and no drama so far no travel calamities for um, anyone involved at all uh, the closest that there's been to a calamity was that the event that we were at last night one of the uh, guest speakers of honour was Chuck Schumer who is the uh, the leader of the Democrats in the Senate so like one of the most powerful people in the US and he gave a speech in which he thanked Ireland and other NATO partners as if to imply that Ireland was a member of NATO uh, very triumphantly announced that he was after getting a US Navy destroyer named after an Irish mm. citizen um, to which kind of fell flat for a lot of the room because we were like uh, we're militarily neutral we don't think that's a great thing um, and he thanked Seamus Heaney for his award um, on the apparent understanding that Seamus Heaney was both in the room and alive um, neither of tr- neither of which were correct Oh God. Uh, so that's the closest that we've come to any kind of calamity so far uh, it was mentioned last night um, at that gig so we were at the Ireland Funds dinner and, and the Ireland Funds dinner has become this kind of this awkward um, banana skin of lore because um, the last time that any T-shirt was there at all of course was Micheál Martin this time last year and it was at that event where he was whisked away from sitting beside Nancy Pelosi to be told that he had just tested positive for COVID and that he would need to go into lockdown in Blair House just across the street from the White House. So that was at the Ireland Funds dinner last year. And the previous time that Atisha had made it to the Ireland Funds dinner in person Mm -hmm. was 2020 when Leo Varadkar was once again whisked away uh, to be told that, um, as was documented very well in Richard's book, um, that the advice had just come through from Tony Houlihan and Simon Harris uh, that night that... COVID had basically hit the country hard and that we were going to have to take the decision to close schools and to curb mass gatherings. So um, it's not an event which is it held in very fond memories. It's kind of cursed at the moment, Gav, I would say, yeah. And, <laughs> uh, like the only, uh, yeah, just a bit. The only cursed uh, aspect of it seemed to be, uh, you, I, don't, you, I don't know if you mentioned it, the, the Chuck Schumer bit where he said that if the Irish rugby team was sent over to Ukraine, it would be sorted out within weeks, which was... A, 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 perhaps one of the most tasteless mm. and also stupid things I've ever heard a politician yeah. very unfortunate uh, thing to yeah. say yeah. and, and that, that was apparently that, that gag was justified on the premise that the Irish know all about trying to stave off invaders which um, uh. you know considering that the audience included not just political luminaries from the Republic but also the leaders of all five of the major parties in Northern Ireland, two of whom are unionist. Uh, and at a time when the Irish government is trying to sort of smooth everything over and try to get power sharing between unionists and nationalists back up and running, it was a slightly crass thing, I think, to come out with. Um, but I, just as a kind of an illustration, though, of, of how how templatey some of these speeches can be. Um, Joe Kennedy, who's the new US envoy to Northern Ireland, spoke and he spoke very well. Kevin McCarthy, who's now the Republican Speaker of the House. So again, another one of the most powerful people in Washington. He was there and he spoke very well. Uh, Chuck Schumer gave this speech in which he did the usual thing that every American politician has said for the last three years, which is that uh, America won't countenance anything that amends the Northern Ireland Protocol. And then three seconds later called for universal endorsement of the Windsor framework, which, not to get too technical, but which itself substantially amends the Northern Ireland Protocol. So it was a little bit of a a jigsaw of speeches where he was taking lines from remarks that he's probably given a hundred times over the last three years and didn't really cop that 
some of what he was saying was just materially wrong Very outdated, or that some yeah. of what he was saying wasn't well geared for for the audience that he was speaking to but uh, no, thankfully the Taoiseach got out without any Covid diagnosis so that, happy that is a positive we'll take that we'll take that for now but there is an element Gav and I suppose you get it from the Schumer a bit there uh, some people were pointing to other things said by American politicians last night as well and as a bit cringe and stuff like that but if you go back even a few years there is an element of is it that people forget that you know people can see them and hear them when they're at these things because do you remember obviously Leo previously went over and visited Donald Trump uh, in the Oval Office and in Washington and do you remember there was that exchange about planning permission uh, for the wind farm and stuff like that like there has there, there is a propensity for faux pas and fudges and gaffes at these things which you which for something which is so stage managed and is such a, like a centre point of the of the St. Patrick's celebrations they do tend to go wrong quite quite often or at least you know they yeah, have these fo- little foibles in them they, they do and I think sometimes it actually goes a little bit beyond uh, Patrick's Day stuff like there was definitely used to be a propensity particularly when Enda Kenny was Taoiseach uh, there was always a chance that as soon as he was off Irish soil that some of his political radar would just go slightly askew and that he would start to say some things on the basis that they wouldn't be heard by an Irish audience despite being followed by the Irish media corps and all that stuff being reported back. I mean, in Chuck Schumer's case, you could probably make a fairly fairly clear argument that he wasn't really speaking to an Irish audience or didn't think that his remarks about, you know, sending James Lowe and Josh van der Fleer into Ukraine would sort out the Azov battalion once and for all. Like, I don't think that was really where he was going. Um, but that definitely when, when Leo Varadkar is making a speech on Capitol Hill and he's like, you know, by the way, Donald, this isn't the first time you and I have spoken. I remember you ringing me when you were trying to get planning permission for Dune Beg and uh, <laughs> lo, lo and behold, Wait, it happened. Sorry. Wasn't that convenient? Even even when you remind me of that, it's just so, I can't actually, I like, what was that? It was yeah. a remarkably silly moment. What was yes. that? Look, it was honestly, quite a silly moment. What was that? Uh, like <laughs> over time, I think uh, as as Tishig warm into the role, they, I think they become a little more aware of how everything they said will be picked up and rebroadcast to an audience back at home. Uh, like when Leo Varadkar had that gaffe about this suggestion that he had managed to like manipulate planning permission in Trump's favour. That was Leo Varadkar's first visit as a Taoiseach. and there might have been a, a mm. certain sense of being very wide-eyed and wet behind the ears and that maybe he could be uh, forgiven to a point for saying something that was a little bit silly. Um, but then again, he is the Taoiseach, so he needs to like, watch his words a bit more carefully. Was that before or after the Love Actually comment in Downing Street? Uh, that was after the Love Actually comment because mm. Leo Varadkar got elected in summer of 2017 and the Love Actually comment was, I think, that summer because I was there with him uh, in Downing Street where he made that line and all of us being like, Wow! Like, did did you really think that they'd filmed Love Island or Love Actually in um, in Downing Street? You Love don't Island. think that, that was done on a film set somewhere? Um, but then, yes. Yeah, so then, the the Trump uh, remark was the following March. So he had already been in office for nine months, and you'd think that he would have learned to be a little less loose lipped. Um, but there you go. Uh, but like, it's a really busy um, program for the Taoiseach. Now, we often just think of the the visit as being a little bit of glad handling or a meeting in the Oval Office. But one thing that's remarkable uh, when you're here, and, and I'm lucky enough now to say this is my sixth time following various Taoiseach uh, to Washington for Patrick's Day. And one thing which you, you really learn when you cover it so many times is that every year more stuff gets added to the programme, which then becomes an immovable and indispensable part of the programme. So that, you know, we think of it as being, oh, it's just a meeting on, 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 in the White House uh, with the President. And that that's the whole thing. But actually, like there, there are so many more other aspects to the trip now, which are annual fixtures, 
Um, to the point where genuinely, if it keeps growing at this rate, at some point you could just shut down Ensor House and conduct all of Irish politics from Washington because it just so many other other elements are here. Like there's now a an annual presentation of a medal from the Science Foundation to leading members of the Irish American community um, for scientific endeavour. Like the chief technological officer of Accenture was one of the winners this year um, for working on like groundbreaking AI stuff. Um, there's networking stuff there's cultural stuff there's like uh, tourism stuff he gives an annual speech to the chamber of commerce which is like a pretty big deal because they don't tend to have very many foreign visitors like there are so many extra aspects to all of this that like it is a cliche but we don't appreciate how good we have it with the level of access and the doors that are opened for ireland on, on weeks like this and um, like it is it absolutely nuts and um it is often said that other countries would kill for this kind of level of access or the, the amount mm. of um you know, open doors that are there for you this week. But like, we would be nuts to ever think about letting this go because just the sheer volume of stuff that happens or the doors that are open for the Taoiseach or the stuff that gets done. And then like all, all the rest of the civil society sector, like I, I bumped into the, the general secretary of force at the country's biggest trade union, uh, bumped into him yesterday because he's now over because it's nearly become this week where it's not even just for the Taoiseach, where all of Washington basically opens up to all of Ireland. So the head of force was having a meeting with his counterpart from America's biggest trade union, the AFL-CIO, yesterday. It just, it's just this, this mm. mad open mm. door where this red carpet is rolled out for anyone who's got an Irish accent and an Irish surname. And the, the amount of influence that you can wield just from this tradition having grown more and more legs like, is actually mind-blowing. And like, it is definitely a cliche, but it's definitely true that we are absolutely the envy of so many other countries in the world because just the, the amount of stuff that you can get done on a week like this if you play your cards right is just phenomenal. Yeah, it's a very unique opportunity, definitely. Sorry, Richard, go ahead. The, the thing I was going to say is that while you were away, like while Gavis is, is touting you know, the value and, that, uh, and the exposure that Ireland gets uh, in Washington, we also had the confirmation of that, you know, that worst kept secret that Joe Biden is actually coming our way mm. next month. Uh, so, I mean, we, we, we've all covered presidential visits to this country uh, mm-hmm. before in various guises. Uh, we don't have the firm details yet, do we, Gavin, about exactly uh, Joe Biden's itinerary. It'll involve Belfast, Dublin, and perhaps some other spots along the way. Um, but You'd have to imagine Mayo would be somewhere on that list, wouldn't you? You would. If you were, if you were that, guessing, yeah. If you were guessing and, and without wanting to get people's hopes up to then dash them if they if it doesn't come true, Balna would be very much strongly on the radar, obviously. But there it'll, there will be something different, I think, not to be like to make too fine of a point of it or to come across as a bit forelock tuggy. Um, but Joe Biden is by far the most Irish president there ever has been. Uh, you can keep your Kennedys and all that sort of stuff. Kennedy pretended not to be Irish up until he was president. Um, <laughs> like, Joe Biden has li- literally does not shut up about Ireland, and that's not in an insulting way saying that, but <laughs> it's going to be a huge, huge uh, element. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch, Gavin, as the Shamrock Bowl thing goes ahead, um, is that, you know, it's, it's, it's all coming back our way within the space of a month. Yeah, uh, one thing which would be interesting then to see when we do have the Shamrock presentation and the, and the sit-down of the Oval Office is whether uh, Biden at that point divulges some more details of where he's intending to go. W- will he drop by Balladay? You presume he will. Will he try to get to the Cooley Peninsula and go and see his loud relatives, including like Rob and Dave Carney, um, the Ireland rugby players? Um, and how much will he be able to fit in? There is an expectation that he'll be in Belfast for a few days in the middle of April, uh, Queen's University are doing a big programme of Good yeah. Friday Agreement commemorations 
um, from the weekend, I think that starts the 16th of April for, for two or three days. You'd expect Biden to be around for a bit of that. And then the question is, how much time can he justify spending on one island? Like, can he justify doing two or three days in Belfast and a couple of days in Dublin and maybe a day in Mayo and maybe a day in Louth as well. So it's a case of how do you try and fit in as much into a, a fairly uh, compact schedule. Um, one thing which is kind of interesting though, just to, to take a kind of a sideways step for a second, uh, the Americans, not only do they love having the Taoiseach over, but they always love having the leaders of the Northern Ireland parties as well because America's record of getting involved in the affairs of other countries in the last 50 years is, is not a very... Uh, very glowing one and there are very few instances of America deciding to um, you know have a go or to to, um, get involved in other places and for it all to work out and Northern Ireland is is one of the few things basically since the end of the world war uh, and maybe Korea where things have ended in something that America would say yes this is success so America really likes to hold up Northern Ireland as this example of like some of the nation building and peace bringing that America can be responsible for when it all goes right. Mm. So one thing which would be fascinating then when Biden comes is if the institutions created by Good Friday, you know, having a, a standalone government basically and a standalone parliament in Northern Ireland, if they're not running at the time that Biden comes, which will all depend on the stance of the DUP in the coming weeks, um, it might be a very kind of a gloomy affair that he'll be coming over and doing his whole family thing and visiting the old sod and... Um, you know, talking about how his grandparents said not, not alone keep the faith, Joey, but spread it. Um, like he'll be doing all of his, his forelock tugging. Um, but some of the uh, the victory lap stuff that you might expect from 25 years of the Good Friday Agreement could be a bit downbeat um, if mm. he's coming over to mark the achievements of an agreement at a time when that agreement isn't really working and all the isn't stuff really that working. is envisaged isn't up and running. And Gab, you mentioned there uh, Rob Carney. I saw he was at the event last night as well. He's very close to the Bidens. He seems to be back and forth quite a good bit. Yeah, so we expect him to be at the uh, the Shamrock reception on uh, Friday evening. Rob Carney, of course, an occasional um, rugby pundit with Virgin Media Television as well. Keep it all in the house. Um, so yeah, he is, is, we think he's a second cousin or, or a third cousin of the the Bidens uh, because he's able to trace his um, Joe Biden not alone has roots back to, um, to Mayo and to the Blewett family, but he's also got links to to Cooley and that's where his links to the, the Carnies come in um, as we all um, might remember uh, Joe Biden allowed a video message to be filmed last summer after Ireland uh, won a series in New Zealand against the All Blacks for the first time ever and was filmed sending a message of congratulations to the team um, via the involvement of the Carnies which was a quite surreal and unexpected moment um, so we will be uh, no doubt throwing questions at the Oval Office to see what Joe Biden has planned for Saturday afternoon, um, Washington time, to see whether he's going to be sitting down to watch the Grand Slam decider um, live in Virgin Media One from the Aviva Stadium. Um, but uh, yeah, Joe Joe Biden as being a somewhat unorthodox celebrity superfan of the Ireland rugby team is one of the many unexpected aspects of foreign policy in the 21st mm. century. And Richard, you, when we talk about these presidential visits and we and we look at obviously we can't predict we said already the schedule. Um, it's a huge, it kind of goes back to what Gavin's saying about even just the Paddy's Day stuff. Like, it's a huge opportunity, isn't it, for Ireland to kind of be platformed again next month, like just ahead of the summer, like even just from the whole tourism perspective, to have those shots beamed back across to America of Ireland. It's a huge opportunity for the country again next month, isn't it? Yeah, like, I mean, they say that. I mean, I've never seen anything really definitively show that there's a link between, like, mm. you know, if, if, if Joe Biden went to to the Cooley Peninsula or to Balanada we'd have a, a, you know thousands of tourists decided I want to go where Joe Biden is from 
uh, especially because he's a divisive enough president. Maybe that's the thing. But maybe it's all about the scenery and stuff like that. It's not necessarily to do with, with I suppose, him. It's just the exposure anyway. Um, but tourism numbers from the States had been up uh, in the run before the pandemic. So I know people in tourism Ireland are hoping to get a, a nice little push out of it. But one thing actually, Zara, while we have you on and, and you're just back from the States yourself, mm. uh, tourism Ireland, we're looking for a little bit of a spin out of obviously Banshees of Inishirin, which obviously didn't have its night really uh, at the Oscars. Um, being there for Oscar night, what what was what was the buzz like? I mean, give, lift the curtain here for us. Give give us give us every grubby detail that you can remember from the night itself, <laughs> especially the grubby ones. The grubby ones. I mean, it was good. I mean, it was very very busy. Uh, it basically kind of started very early in the afternoon. I mean, the red carpet kind of starts from about three o'clock onwards, so it was a really busy afternoon. Um, the no, actress- no, by the way, just just when you mentioned the red carpet, because it wasn't a red carpet this year, it was champagne. Uh, now, which looks I, very much uh, it, it looked like that old car- carpet in the house that we used to rent that would get very mucky like yeah, I was just going to say I feel like I've, we've had a carpet like that in the house that we used to live in yeah I yeah. mean it, I think it, it's like your mum's cream carpet from the good room like do you know what I mean it was kind of that sort of energy actually I got to touch a piece of the carpet because I met this lady called Vivian who uh, describes herself as the Oscars super fan and she gets given a piece of the carpet every year and she basically sews it into this denim jacket that she has so she has this jacket with like pieces of the carpet from like every year for the last I don't know 10 or 20 years or whatever so they gave her a piece of the cream carpet but she wasn't a bit impressed (laughs) she was kind of like (laughs) yes she was like we had a piece with her on the news actually I I did see some of the red carpet reporters who were like lamenting how grubby it was getting because when you have like you know thousands of people traipsing past and they're not all wearing brand new box fresh footwear that it was getting yeah, pretty and very actually, quickly, it's, Yeah, and even in some of the photos, you kind of see that. I mean, I think there was some people who kind of felt that maybe for photography reasons, it would be better, you know, for lighting, even if you've that lighter yeah. colour underneath, that it kind of does, let's be honest, it does give the, the skin a bit of a glow and it is a bit nicer. But I don't know, I think there's something old Hollywood glamour about a red carpet. I wonder, will they go back to red next year? Um, but like, yeah, champagne, cream is really now, I, I think anyway, to the naked eye, it was a cream carpet. But yeah, and they, but they kept the curtains. The curtains behind them were red, but actually apparently the curtains are normally cream and the carpets are Red. Anyway, I digress on the carpet, but that was uh, yeah, that was certainly a big talking point on the night. Yeah, so I suppose that the ceremony is obviously um, it goes on for quite some time. Obviously, you're watching very closely to see how Ireland was going to fare in it. Like, I mean, we talked about this last week. I don't think there was any upsets or any surprises really in terms of the no. results of the Oscars. Everything ever, all at once, literally won everything everywhere all at once, which we all kind of knew was going to happen. Um, Richie Bainham, though, what a legend! Richie Bainham is honestly such a character. Like he is. And do you know what? He's so cool about the whole thing. I find it so it's so endearing. Like he just He's the man, man who won for, for Avatar, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So the visual effects, yeah. best visual effects award for Avatar Way of Water. This is his second Oscar. And he's also won a BAFTA. So we went down the to the... you did with him, Zara, sorry to interrupt you, when, when you spoke to him for Ireland AM on Monday morning, I think from yeah. the side of Sunset Boulevard, there was a man who was living his best life. Like, he was just so <laughs> happy with the world. Well, you know how I got that interview, right? So I went down to... So there's all these after parties, sorry, after the Oscars, which is really where you kind of mainly get people, you know? So you have to decide which after party you're going to go to. It's kind of a roll of the dice because you don't know where people are going to turn up. So like, the Vanity Fair party is obviously the big after party. And, like, obviously a couple of the journalists we've been chatting to each other, so our colleague Henry McKean and News Talk 
I been on to Henry and we were kind of going, which one will we go to? And Henry said he was going to go down to Vanity Fair. So I said, look, I go to the other one. This other one was kind of the after party for like the on Colleen Kuhn cast. And we thought that Richie Bainham would probably go to that as well. So we kind of rolled the dice on it. And look, we just got lucky that Richie was actually there. And I just I just walked in and like looked around the room for the person who was holding the Oscar. No word of a lie. And I just walked up to him and I was like, hi, I'm Zara from Virgin Media. I was like, would you chat to me for like five minutes outside? And he went, no bother. <laughs> he just came outside. And his wife was like, uh, where are you going? I was like, do you want to come as well? She was like, sure. So they both of them were just so sound. So brought them out outside the after party across the road. And uh, Mark was waiting with camera and we just did the interview. But like, just so nice. But you know what was lovely, actually? He was saying that um, like he has this big mantra about kind of, you know, can't see, can't be and stuff. And like Richie Bainham really feels like for young Irish people to know that this is attainable, like that this is possible, that they have to be able to see it. But like he doesn't mean just see it as in like watch it on TV. Like he has kind of said, look, he's happy for his Oscar to do like a tour of Ireland and have like kids in schools get to see it and like, you know, get their picture with it or touch it. And like, you know, and understand that like this is achievable. He doesn't think that things like Oscars or BAFTAs you know should necessarily be kept locked away in a glass cabinet, that actually he sees the importance of kind of giving children an opportunity to see it which I think is like such a lovely it's mantra a really nice isn't it like yeah. it's such and I was saying to him you, would you have time to do the school tour and he's like no but he's like I'll, I'll send it back with my dad and we'll make sure it gets around uh, one question that I want to ask you Zara because I have to bail a couple of minutes because we're just waiting for Leo Varadkar yeah. to do a little kind of press conference with, with us here um, did Richie Bainham let you hold the Oscar after you had spoken to him on Sunset Boulevard um, I didn't actually ask him could I hold it but I'd say he would have had no problem whatsoever ah, Like he, I didn't ask him shame. I should have probably asked him could I hold Selfie it selfie opportunity I mean, not. I honestly think he wouldn't have minded it at all though like he's just so so nice about it so no he was really good and obviously the cast of An Irish Goodbye as well like how gorgeous they were just so delighted as well so like both of those were really our best chance of winning Oscars and they did win them in the end so um, it was a busy night but it was great I really I did really enjoy it I have to say it was a good one did you bump into anybody else Any, anybody else anybody international that, that you bumped into or were in the orbit of in the orbit of anyone else international not really to be honest no <laughs> sorry oh, well. no <laughs> next really. time Zara next yeah. time there's always next time <laughs> was there any yeah. sense um, quickly, Zara just before I, before I go uh, was there any sense of disappointment that um, Banshees didn't manage to win anything or, or will, will Ireland still feel like it was a worthwhile week you know when you're talking about 14 nominees they might have thought they could have come away with slightly more than two so was there any sense of it being yeah. bittersweet from that front? No, not at all, actually, Gav, which is really funny. Not at all. I think actually the real feeling is that this is the beginning of something really special for Ireland, that we're on the cusp of this great kind of moment in film and actually that the nominations, particularly for the individuals like Barry Keoghan and obviously Colin Farrell and everyone and Kerry Condon, um, that actually the nominations are really just a huge honour and that it's just kind of a step further in their careers. So no, I don't think there was disappointment at all, actually. I mean, obviously it would have been nice for them to win, but like I think ultimately people are still very much hanging on the fact that it's massive for Ireland to have had the 14 nominations in the first place. Like 25% of all actors nominated at the Oscars this year were Irish. Like it's unbelievable. Mm, massive. And one of them, Barry, Barry uh, today I was re- reading reports that he's now uh, starring opposite Paul Meskell in the Gladiator 2 film, uh, which sounds like must-see, oh, must-see wow. from the get-go. Gav, you have to run there. Yeah, so, I have so to run. You, I'm going to let you guys you go. go. Uh, hope I get to see you guys in person again next week, but I will, uh, I will send Leo Varadkar and the good people of Howard University all of your regards. <laughs> Bye, Gav. Gav. See you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. 
wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Sarah, today the big news in the world of Irish entertainment and show business is that Ryan Tuberty is to step away at the end of this series from hosting The Late Late Show. I know. Are you surprised to hear this? I actually was really surprised to hear this. So, I didn't get the news until I came off that flight from Heathrow. I turned my phone back on again. So, I was about 40 minutes behind the curve by the time I got it. I was really surprised, Richard, because I actually think that, well, certainly a lot of people would have said that the Late Late Show gig was kind of a lifer's gig, that you did it for a really long time and that, um, you know, you know, you kind of did it up to retirement. So I And I didn't see it coming. I didn't really think that he'd step down um, after 14 years. What did you make of it? Yeah, I'm surprised at the timing of it. Um, from what I know from people in Montrose and that, there wasn't there wasn't a feeling that he was, that he was imminently going to leave. Um, so... I, I was kind of surprised that it came when it did. I was sitting actually in the barbers when I got the push notification. Mm. Uh, and I was like, whoa, did not expect that today. Um, so yeah, it is. It's a, a, I mean, as you say, it's a lifer's gig, really. There's only been three full-time hosts uh, of The Late Late Show, uh, the longest-standing institution in, in, in Irish broadcasting, really. Uh, and his is coming to an end. Obviously, there will be speculation about who follows. Uh, and, you know, bookmakers have already released odds. Miriam O'Callaghan said to be the favourite. Brendan O'Connor, Tommy Tiernan, Claire Byrne, who I do know internally, uh, is a strong favourite. Jennifer mm. Zamparelli, Ray Darcy, Dahi O'Shea, Sarah McInerney, Graham Norton and Daryl Brian. Neither of those last two are going to... I know. Well, you job. wonder. I don't know if Graham uh, Norton would probably leave the gig he has to, co- to come back home to do that. But not in a million no, years. I'm I mean, sorry, not in a million years. No, it's a great lineup there. Personally, Claire Byrne sounds like a great shout for that job. I think she'd be absolutely brilliant at it. Um, yeah. it it's funny though. I mean, it, I, I'll enjoy the speculation that will continue over the next couple of weeks, and, and those who will rule themselves out of it. <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah. I, that's that's the message. Look forward to. Do you want to throw your hat in the ring now? Um, well, I'm about yourself. I don't. I wouldn't think I'd be on their list now. So uh, no, I don't think that's going to be a runner for me. How about yourself? No, well, it hasn't ruled out people, you know, uh, having their names loaded for things before who are never going to get the job. Uh, so, like, look, uh, we'll, leave, we'll, leave, we'll leave ourselves we'll leave it, for We'll now. leave it wide I'm, open. I'm, I'm, Come here, I was going to say, though, I have to say, leaving the Late Late Show, which, let's be honest, is the biggest gig in television broadcasting in Ireland, you must have something else fairly big in mind, potentially, to say that you would leave a role like this. Ah, uh, Zara, we're going for it. We're going, we're, we're going for it. Go uh, we've, the been, we've been thinking going, about we're this. We're going to the theory. This, we, the, the group chat has privately had a theory for, for quite some time that Ryan Tuberty is, is, could run for the Auris. Yeah. Uh, and could run to be the next president of Ireland. Now, obviously this has happened, you know, it isn't unusual for television personalities to be floated as potential Irish presidents. Uh, Miriam O'Callaghan, of course, previously was linked, was running for president. You know, she didn't rule out that she would do it in the future. Uh, kind of probably, I'd say that you know she never, she never really dismissed it at any time it really came up. Uh, obviously, we had you know the Dragons Den guys uh, who ran that, that 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 last time fairly infamously as well. But we have a feeling Ryan Tuberty is a big fan of presidential politics. I mean, he's written the book on Kennedy. Uh, he w- is a very you know he's very open in his you know his his, his admiration for you know the, the American president and 
big political head on him. He reads a lot of political books. I just feel, I feel, I feel he has it in him. Yeah, so do I. To, 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 to at least consider. Yeah. To consider running for the Auris. So what's your take on it? Oh, yeah, no, totally. I mean, like, look, obviously, privately, we've spoken about this before. Like, I mean, I think that this, and by the way, sorry, we have nothing to tell us. There's no insider information, no by the way, insider. to suggest is, that Ryan Tuberty is, is running for president. mischief making and This is just us. Yeah. yeah, this is just us sort of guessing and maybe speculating and, and having guessed it a few times. And so the reason, what made me think of it really was more that I suppose Ryan Tuberty has been in many ways great at positioning himself as the voice of the nation on a lot of big issues, mm. particularly over the last couple of years in those difficult times. Um, Ryan Tuberty has has been somebody who has been uh, very good, even on his radio program, I suppose, in capturing how people are feeling and, um, you know, sort of um, verbalising or, or echoing sentiments that perhaps like people felt. So even just that alone um, had a sort of a presidential touch to it, I often thought. There were times yeah. where things would happen and I think, hmm, it's quite presidential the way he's handled that. And I thought to myself, I wonder would he ever have any ambitions that way? So, I mean, look, again, we don't have anything to suggest that that's actually going to happen. I really I wish, wish Gav was on this. Gav has strong views on this as well I know he does he does real yeah, pity he, he can join us but next do... week to tell us about them but yeah <laughs> Um, but I do think that it's um, I do think that it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility I have to say I listen I, 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 I think I think there's I think if you were if you were you know a presenter of the Late Late Show for many years 14 years to be exact uh, and you had a yeah. very long career a long life ahead of you still and like you'd have heard other characters pegged for, you know, potential Oris runs like Miriam or whoever else. It, it would definitely at least cross your mind. There's no, it would only be natural that it would cross your mind at some point thinking, could I do that? Could I run for the Oris? Yeah. I'll tell you. Listen. And also, given what we know about who potentially is in the field for or for the next Oris race, could be Ryan Tuberty versus <laughs> Bertie O'Hearn versus Jerry Adams. That would be the greatest of all bun fights. It would. I would be there for it that. It would. Now, it should be said that he is going to stay on and do his radio programme on RT Radio 1. D Forbes was speaking today on radio, so she was saying he is going to continue on doing the radio programme. So um, yeah. he's not completely leaving broadcasting. Um, but And also there was talk that he might work on other television projects as well. But look, like I say, Late Late Show, definitely the biggest gig in telly, let's be honest, um, you know, in terms of that big kind of you know, entertainment sort of chat show programming. So um, exciting to see what he will yeah. do next. Um, will it be a run for the Orioles? Look, we'll have to watch this face and see what happens. I, I, we have we've put that out there now and we are responsible <laughs> if he becomes president, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, but no, right, like, it, 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 I, think, I think Ryan Tuberty is probably his legacy, I think might be on, um, in terms of, you know, the, the Late Late Show. I think it'll probably be the toy show and the way Definitely, that he yes. sort of, I think he, the way that he spun the toy show uh, was very different to the way that Gabo or that Pat uh, did the toy show. And I think that's probably a strength of his that I think is probably going to be, probably it'll be, that'll be a tough job now for the next person to do it. Yeah, I agree. Like everybody has their own style, their own spin on things. But I think Tuberty's toy shows uh, really over the last few years, they've, they've gone up and up and up and up in terms of the spectacular element. Uh, I think um, that's going to be, that's a tough legacy to beat. And to be fair to Ryan, Ryan Tuberty, uh, always very kind uh, to us anytime, yeah. you know, shouting out the odd time or whatever like that as well. So look, totally. uh, obviously, but I'd say not an easy decision on his behalf uh, to step away from the gig. Um, but obviously, as you say, he's sticking around in radio and perhaps, maybe, just maybe, 
there's something else on the horizon for him as well. <laughs> if he's listening uh, now, he's going to be cursing all of us and say, he'll be like, what are you talking about, lads? But no, I mean, I think just to echo what you said about the toy show, because remember during lockdown, remember when Ryan Toby had COVID at the time and he came back to work and he was saying that he'd had letters even from kids all over the country that were like really worried that there would be no toy show because he'd been sick and everything. So that kind of just speaks to sort of how popular he is in that role, in that toy show role that, you know, kids all over the country, um, you know, really like sort of admire him and look up to him, which is a big, like, big position and big shoes to fill certainly yeah I wonder now because obviously there's a, there's a season to finish off here um, mm. like there's always been big send off guests on the Late Late Show like I remember do you remember when obviously when Gay Byrne stepped away there was the whole Harley Davidson thing with Bono and the lads from U2 Pat I think I think Pat Kenny got a guitar from U2 I think as well did he? oh my god! pretty gosh. sure he did pretty sure he did Wow. Remember, there's definitely a lot of gifting going on, but there's always a big, big send off once they get to it. So I'd say that's something on the horizon as well now for for a little bit later on this year. But um, yeah, so we'll wait and see what happens in terms of, uh, I think they said there's an announcement later on this summer, perhaps in terms of who might actually take on uh, the Late Late Show. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of, a lot of road to be passed between now and then, I think anyway. Who do you, so I, I obviously mentioned there, I think Claire Byrne would be brilliant at it. Who do you fancy out of the lineup? I mean, I think Claire yeah, or Miriam, I, either of them would be great. I would, I would say, I, I, think, I think Claire Byrne, to me, is my instinct on it. Yeah. Uh, I think she'd be great. Uh, Tommy Tiernan has his own thing, which I think is working well for him. Uh, I think it's a I different think Tommy kind Tiernan's of show. Thing, yeah, I agree. It's totally different, isn't it? And it kind of works where it is at the moment as well. I think to move, it would nearly be kind of, you know the wrong yeah. thing to do I think it works where it is Claire I, Byrne is, is excellent and I mean anyone who listens to her I, I'm a big fan of her radio programme I have to say I listen to her regularly I think she's brilliant yeah she's a superstar um, and I, like, I mean that's this isn't like to, to denigrate any of the other, other names we listed there in the favourites list all incredibly talented broadcasters mm. in their own right uh, so yeah we'll wait and see that's always look there's nothing better than a good big media gig speculation and the the, the, the runners it. and writers of it I actually was only <laughs> listening to an audiobook there last month about um, when Johnny Carson who is the presenter of the Tonight Show in the US for many many years much like Gay Byrne was for the Late Late Show uh, when he was being replaced and there was like a bitter war between Jay Leno who eventually got the job and David Letterman uh, it was one of the best things I listened to in a long time so there's a book recommendation there but I don't think it'll be as vicious uh, in the uh, RTE horse race to succeed Ryan Tuberty. <laughs> uh, at least we all hope not anyway. Uh, but yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one as things go on. Yeah, send us on your suggestions who you think it might be. We'd love to hear from you. Zara, good point here as, as we come to a close then. I suppose St. Patrick's Day, uh, it is a big news day in many ways. Uh, people will tune in traditionally, watch the evening news and see what the parades are like across the country. Yeah. Do you have any particular memories of having covered those? Oh, I mean, like, listen, there's like getting assigned to like three parades in one day. <laughs> Happen to Class. sort of like Love go it. and do yeah. one, pack up the car, run to the next one. Um, I do remember when I started in television first and I was what's known as a video journalist, which is basically when you're the cameraman and the journalist all in one go, you film everything yourself. And I videoed the Waterford parade one year, like completely by myself. Like you can never be a video journalist at a Paddy's Day parade. It's an absolute disaster case. But um, yeah, I mean, I have to say, I like working Paddy's Day. I always think it's a good one and um, I always think the Paddy's Day program is great because it's just honestly it's a real chance to get like so many faces from like the smallest towns and villages up and down the country on national television which is always brilliant and people always come with their A game and the parades are always full of you know sort of bright colours and great talent so yeah no I love working how about yourself? Um, yeah I've, lo- I've loved it I've done the Dublin parade for Virgin a couple of times 
Uh, and yeah, I, I think that's one of the ones I've covered. I, I'm a big fan of regional parades, though. I mean, you talk about the color yeah. and, and what's going to be seen. Uh, anybody watching now over the course of the weekend, and you have a chance uh, over Twitter or Facebook or TikTok, you will see uh, on the streets of Rush uh, in North Dublin, you'll see <laughs> a, a familiar figure in the guise of Big Bird uh, on a quad bike pulling wheelies. It has become the strangest uh, Irish tradition or St. Patrick's Day tradition. Uh, it is, he is basically the mascot of our town uh, uh, and he will quad bike wheelie his way into I your heart that. over the course of this weekend. So <laughs> keep, keep your eyes peeled for that. It's one of, one of my favourite things as well, just about St. Patrick's weekend in terms of news uh, is, and we all do it, and I think it's almost a, there's almost an enjoyment out of doing it. The amount of cliches in it uh, are just to be they're just to be loved like even you, you'll hear a news announcer saying like you know uh, there was even an appearance from the man himself as a man dressed as St. Patrick stro- or, strides down the street it was all too much for one little fellow and there's always a shot of a child asleep in a buggy <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of that it's a, I'm a big fan of that journal speak uh, it is a great day though so I hope um, I hope everybody wherever you are uh, does enjoy uh, St. Patrick's yeah, Day and the definitely. weekend as a whole uh, and Mother's Day, of course, on the tail end of it. But uh, yeah. yeah, promises to be a good one. Zara, before your jet lag does set in, uh, <laughs> we should probably let you let you get home uh, because you know it's it's been it's been a, it's been a wild one. It's um, been a wild one, but it's been nice. It's we've been enjoyed it. We've enjoyed it. And thanks so much to Mark Armstrong, my cameraman. He's been brilliant, and you know we've had a, a good long nine days together, but we've had a great time. And ah, look, it's been lovely. Um, so I think maybe next week get back into some kind of normal routine again and yeah, enjoy the Bank Holiday weekend. Yeah, and next week I think we will all be back in studio in the same place for the first time in a couple of weeks, which is uh, much to be looked forward to. So yeah, uh, Zara, thank you so much again. Thank Everybody, you. thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Bye. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.